0: that's right my friends it is OGP the one giant podcast we're coming to you on draft day right now my friends we are geared up we're ready to go we're feeling frisky we got a lot of big discussion points here we just wanted to fire off we said we talked about what we think they're going to do what we want them to do this is going to be a blend here but I think just to give this kind of, quite frankly, it's for the receipts so that we have our names out there in front of us. It's Adam Arnbrecht here, obviously. It's Andy Mack. What's over there? I almost didn't even introduce you, Andy. That's how jacked up I am to get into the draft conversation.
1: I mean, you are really excited that the day has finally come. I can tell already the excitement, even even us you know, chatting before the show. You, should, you were fired up, ready to get after it.
0: Listen, later on tonight, as we said, it's scheduled over on YouTube, seven o'clock. We're going to kick it off. We think we're going to have a couple people, maybe stop by along the way. And all throughout that, as we prepare leading up to the start of the draft there, five and seven, obviously in the first round tonight, we're just going to keep rotating through these names, the different scenarios that are possible. And that's why we dive in uh, on this one here. Basically immediately, there's no reason to cut ties here. You had said give a little bit, let's do this one more time quickly at the top, the Vegas numbers. There's some new names that are getting mentioned there one through four that again, I think open up. It took us a while, but we're actually rounding into being on the same page at five and seven for the New York football giants.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, Vegas, as everyone knows that listens to this show, I love Vegas odds because they tell you things, you know, you'll hear whispers from teams like, Oh, they they like this guy. They hate this person. Vegas doesn't care about any of that. They're like, we need to make money, so we're going to put the odds out on on the best people that are going to be drafted in those spots. No surprise, Trayvon Walker is now the overwhelming favorite at one to be drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. It, it's it's you know there was a little bit of smoke last week. It kept coming up and up. It, you know his odds are overwhelming now for that first spot, which you know shouldn't be a surprise after after the last few days. The sure. second pick, it sounds like the Lions are going to run to the podium and select Aiden Hutchinson. University of Michigan, edge rusher, makes too much sense for them. He's the overwhelming favorite to go betting-wise at number two, which I think, you know, just starting there, Adam, that's got to set up pretty nicely for the Giants already. I know that you, you said it may not matter earlier, but now that when you start thinking about what could come, you know, those two guys getting set there feels like it helps the Giants a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, and, you know, it's funny, too. Like, I, I like uh, Charles Cross. It seems like in the last, you know, 24 to 36 hours, as it always goes, his stock not falling, but just the relative area of where they're projecting him to go now is not as high as it once was. So a little bit of that delineation between the top two tackles and then Charles Cross. So to your point now, when you sit here and say, well, if automatically we're talking about two edge rushers going one 2 any number of combinations that would uh, you know, unfold at three and four, is still going to leave the New York football giants in a very solid situation when it comes to landing there at five, I guess, theoretically, let me ask you here, because there is one, um, there is one scenario where I think it could throw things off a little bit here, but there's the wrinkle of Houston as well. As the jets could both be in line for an offensive tackle, right? They could be, they could go that way at which point you'd say, well, now you're stuck with that decision of best player available. That could be Thibodeau. Potentially. I have the way I'd like this to roll, but thankfully, Thankfully, there's a name associated with the Houston Texans at three that opens some things up. And then another name at four for the New York Jets, which, again, maybe at least in this moment, you know, t- 10 hours out could be falling perfectly for Big Blue.
1: Yeah. So the, the, the surprise, I think, after Trayvon Walker news hit that he was going number one, the big surprise is people whispering, saying Derek Stingley Jr. could move up into the top 10 cornerback LSU. Um, you know, if he had come out h- after his freshman year that, you know, most people say it was one of the greatest defensive back seasons ever, which mm-hmm. is, uh, I know it's high, it sounds very hyperbole, but people were like, he would have been a surefire top three pick at that point. You know, he's had some injuries, he's regressed a little bit, but the talent is still there. And when people watch that film, Derek Stanley Jr. is the odds on betting favorite to land to the Houston Texans at the third, the third pick in the draft. And Adam, as you mentioned, that changes a lot for the Giants, right?
0: Yeah, automatically, first and foremost, you go, okay, great. If they're not going to go offensive linemen and, and the board starts the way it very much feels like it's locked in at the top two picks there, now all of a sudden you have Iquanu, you have Neil. They're there. It's impossible. With only one pick on the board in between you and the draft, it's impossible for you not to get one of those guys. And before we talk about who the Jets are now angling, it looks like to possibly select, what I really love about, you know what, let's push the pause on that. The Jets are angling now. We We've been batting these names around. You had a theory around what they would do here at the fourth overall pick because the, we now know it looks like they are about as fed up with Makai Becton as they could possibly be. Hey, check mark for Big Blue, at least made the right choice. Thanks, Dave Gettleman. You know, we don't say that a lot, but thank you, Dave Gettleman. Um, they're now looking, it looks like at a as being the odds on favorite for them at four, correct?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the jets, as you mentioned, it sounds like, you know, these things don't get out unless the team wants them out for some reason. And either, either they're throwing some smoke in right, in right before the draft, or they're that fed up with what Mikai Becton has done with them. The, the reports are that he was over 400 pounds last season. Like yeah. he just like, Kana w- was was not in the building doing the things he wants to do, wasn't in, in playing shape even though he was hurt, like a whole bunch of issues with him, right? And so now being done with him, you know, Ikea Aquanu looks like he is the betting favorite for the Jets at four. But Adam, I actually think, and, and this may come as a surprise, don't be surprised if the Jets end up selecting Evan Neal with the fourth pick. And the reason why is because Beckton coming out of college was from a, you know, from a different school, like Louisville, not a, not a powerhouse football program, mm-hmm. but like, you know, he was a little bit raw. They thought they could coach it into him. He had all the abilities in the world. Like Kwanu is, is great. And his film looks awesome. But to me, Evan Neal is a mountain of a man. He played at Alabama. He's six, seven, 350 pounds. Like if you ever wanted to just be like, can we get a sure thing? Like after Beckton flamed out, can we just pick, a guy that we know that will be here in three years as opposed to Mekhi Beckton. So, you know, right now, even though Aquanu is the betting favorite to land with the jets, don't be surprised at 20 to one right now, Evan Neal might end up being the pick for the jets.
0: Yeah. Listen, and if that turns out to be the case, I, I think um, I'd be comfortable with, with you know, taking Aquanu, obviously Icky at five, there feel perfectly fine with that. Um, I-, I think, you know, again, Neil, the reason why I ended up coming back to Neil is because he played right tackle, right? So that's a plug and play for the Giants. You don't have to worry about, it. even with Cross, if you like him close to as much, he hasn't played that there. Go ahead.
1: Iquanu only played one snap his entire career at right tackle. So just right. like, you know, we already have our left tackle of the future. So when you're talking about like, what's going to be an easier transition to me, I think, you know, Evan Neil over on the right side, which is why I prefer him, is an easier one because he's already shown his versatility. But again, I think you and I are both in the same boat if the jets go neil or Aquanu, i don't necessarily know if that changes what we think the giants would do from that point
0: no you know it's funny so the only fact the thing that i factor in here is the, the general perception for the giants is joe shane said we want to take best player available at five and then be open to opportunities at seven like that's the narrative that they're putting out there so if Whoever is the best available at five, that's what we're going to do. And I want to throw in the wrinkle here around your boy, uh, Thibodeau, and what that looks like. To me, if you're talking about the hierarchy of it, I don't think, no matter how they feel about him overall as a prospect, I don't think Thibodeau is going to be the best player available at five on their board, regardless of how things unfold, right? They'd have to be, quote unquote, reaching a little bit, maybe that spot. I am curious about if Neil is their number one tackle. Is there somebody in between him? And Icky, is Thibodeau in between him there, right? Where is Sauce Gardner on this board? And to that end, I think we'll both be very happy. At this point, I prefer Neil to be the pick there at five. I think we both agree there. I'd be happy with Aquano as long as they feel like it's a quality selection. But now, with Caroline at six, some speculation, maybe they'll go straight Malik Willis. There's going to be no trade opportunities for other teams wanting quarterbacks because they want that quarterback. What I love about Houston being projected to take Stingley is that the reason why I wouldn't want him is what Dable and Joe Shane have talked about. Availability, reliability, dependability, right? Stingley, we know, big injury history here. doesn't mean that he can't turn out to be great, but that's a player that I would hesitate for the Giants to take. If, say, Gardner went early at seven, Stingley wouldn't be the player that I would go for the Giants. In this scenario, though, I would love like this. This is probably one of the best possible scenarios that the Giants get. Perfect one would probably be Neil at five and then Gardner at seven. But even Icky and Gardner feels like, man, we really checked two major boxes and arguably got two of the top three, maybe four players in the draft.
1: Yeah. And and so regardless of who the Jets end up picking, we think it's going to be an offensive lineman. Uh, They're out on Thibodeau apparently. So either any lineman that they pick, if the board goes Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Derek Stingley Jr., and then pick the tackle of your choice for the Jets, the board sets up perfectly for the Giants. Like it's almost like it's it's foolproof if they do one thing at them. And that one thing is as long as they have these tackles relatively close to each other and don't have a wide margin between Quanu, Neal and Cross, mm-hmm. then it is an absolute one hundred percent, no no brainer to be able to take Sauce Gardner at five, and the reason why I say that, Adam, is because when you talk about the difference in some of these different positional values, yep. having Stingley off the board already and then having Sauce Gardner, there is a large drop off at the cornerback position after those two guys. You got to go, you know, almost to, to fifteen or twenty in the first round to be able to even sniff when the next cornerback is yeah, going
0: to go the Right. And into the second round with Kyler Gordon, like all good prospects, but there's clearly a delineation here.
1: Right. And so if you can get that, if you have those two Stingley junior and sauce Gardner, that much further away from everyone, you could get sauce Gardner at five and no, no matter what you do at seven, you could still wind up with one of the offensive tackles of the future.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the big risks there to your point about if Stingley goes early, well, there's nothing stopping. We said, well, Carolina may just like the quarterback and they want to go that route. But what if the Seattle Seahawks say, oh, Sauce Gardner is there at seven. It's only two spots, you know, three spots to move up and get him at six from Carolina. Like the interest level, all of a sudden teams that want to trade up could, could get a little bit wider from a pool of, of, of possible movement because they didn't think Gardner was going to be there at five going to six or at six potentially going to seven, right? So I think you're right there. You have to jump in and take him there and it'll be the one thing I'll say as far as and we'll get into now 36, 67, and 81. stay focused mostly around the top 100 picks here for the Giants and we'll we'll flesh out the back end of the draft as we move forward later tonight um, would be if Neil is the guy, like if that's the guy the Giants want, But best player on the board is Gardner at five, so they pull the trigger on him. I I am curious, man, because we still always talk about this, getting capital for next year's draft, moving back. I would be very interested. This is the Jordan Renan scenario of what if they get Gardner at five, they love it, and then at seven they're willing to trade out for there's a quarterback or maybe it's Icky is still there and another team wants him, etc., I, I wouldn't be totally against that. And I can paint the scenario as we move back towards 36. We won't dwell too much on trade back scenarios, but do you think that the, the likelihood of that increases if it is Hey, Gardner's five? And then at that point we do have to think it's not just about today. It's also about the entire season and then going to next year's draft class as well.
1: I think the Giants are much more likely to trade out of seven if they draft their offensive tackle of the future rather than sauce Gardner in the scenario that we're painting here, where mm-hmm. sauce Gardner is available at five and there's multiple offensive tackles on the board. And that's a tougher one for me because yes, we know that it is a glaring hole, but if you tell me we can move back to 12 or 13 or somewhere in the middle of the first round and pick up a first round pick next year, when the draft is going to be super strong, there are other pieces that we still need clearly like an offensive guard or a center. Maybe in the second round, you can build and start formulating a better offensive line in other areas. I went into this offseason being like offensive tackle, or I'm going to riot. And now I'm starting to think like, if this (laughs) is a multi-year rebuild, there are other positions, you know, Kenyon green, Zion Johnson, Tyler Linderbaum. If we move a little bit further back, we may be able to fix the line and just say, yes, we're going to address the right tackle, but it's just not going to be during this little rotation.
0: Yeah, 100%. So as we move our way into the second round here, our assumption is they've taken the tackle. They've also taken Sauce Gardner. Like that, That's the way the top of this board breaks for the Giants, and I think that's probably a reasonable expectation with the way we see things unfolding. Only wrinkle would be if Houston pulls the trigger on Gardner, which then again, would make a trade back scenario a little bit more likely at which point top of the second round cornerback would be a part of that mix here. And I'll just, I'll just frame the, the trade down scenario. You mentioned about how far back would you go? If it's in the teens, Devin Lloyd, we all know it, right? Devin oh, Lloyd's the answer. Love me but if one they one. go a little bit further back to 20 or 20, you know, 20 with the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Patriots have been talked about a little bit or even all the way to the back end of the first round with a team like Kansas city, who maybe has a real target, a piece that plugs and plays for them this season, anything in the later of a first round, Zion Johnson, fringe about if he'd be there on the back end, probably a mid-20s guy, but Green would be right there for you. And I, this is a 36, trade or no trade, if he falls out of the first round, unlikely, but maybe it's a 30% chance that, you know, doesn't end up going based on the runs at other positions. I, especially if you've already got Neal. I sprint to get another guy who's played every position on the offensive line. Like not only is he really talented, he's also a guy that you walk into camp saying, uh, left guard, center, right guard. It's kind of your choice, pal. Like you tell, you know, wherever he ends up lining up the best, you sort out the veterans behind him. And this is a rare situation where I've gotten away from going too deep into the offensive line, you know, reclamation this season. But this would be the this would at least be the caveat of if he falls, I probably am pretty pretty convinced that we need to charge up there to get him at 36.
1: So that, that is interesting because then you're basically saying we're really shoring up the offensive line. And we're, we're, we're basically saying we're putting all our chips to fix that first. And then we'll, we'll figure everything out else out later in the draft. I don't mind it because we've been so depleted and deficient on our, our offensive line for a while. I do think it would be doubling and tripling down a little bit when there are other areas that maybe the giants would need. To me, at 36, and this is going to be an unpopular opinion, I have been kind of circling the wagons on Christian Harris, the linebacker out of Alabama, as the guy that I'm thinking about for the Giants. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is this. It's because in Wink Martindale's system, we talk about how important linebackers are. We talk about how important cornerbacks are because they want to be able to confuse opposing quarterbacks with different schemes, who's standing upright, who's in what different position. When we talk about, you know, the abilities of of Christian Harris, obviously at Alabama inside linebacker was projected to be a first rounder before the season slipped a little bit with, with some of the combine stuff and just overall, you know, play in general. At -hmm. the top of the second round, he would be a great addition and it's a position of need that no one is talking about on the giants right now in our inside starting linebackers are Tay Crowder and Blake Martinez. We don't even know what Blake Martinez is going to be post injury We don't even know if Tate Crowder is going to be on the roster in 12 months. So inside linebacker is a position of need for Giants. And I do think when you look at those Baltimore Ravens teams, they've always had solid linebacker play.
0: Oh, 100%. Um, I I would push back on it a little bit. Uh, Maybe too rich for me there. Again, like if it's Devin Lloyd in the first round on the trade back, I love it. At that spot, I just think that – because let me be clear. If Green were to fall, I think the Giants might find that being really attractive. But assuming he's not there, or what I would prefer – the number of players that you talk about being there at 36 for them, assuming you've checked the box of of cornerback, Ebikiti out of Penn State, like that's an edge rusher that gets the job done for you. If you're a run Draft Buzz and you're wondering, you know, he's a quality prospect. You can read the write up on him. You can also see that his pass rush grade is 100. <laughs> yeah, he's better than that. Yeah, while being an 88 in the in rush defense. Now, depending on how these runs go at the top of the draft and other teams that are needy, he may not be there. You know, right at the start of. The- the second round he could go but that's a player that i really would have my eye on if we're talking about took an offensive tackle took our cornerback and now let's make sure that we're getting a pass rusher attacking downhill there uh at at the quarterback like that would be a really attractive one for me i'm just just thumbing through some of the other players that are in and around there we've brought up wide receiver before i think that that's too early for me you know barring a guy like maybe burks falling out of the first round or something and you you think the value is there but you and i are at least on the same page from the standpoint of the value on the defensive side of the ball at the top of the second round feels legitimate. And I'll throw in the one more wrinkle. We talked about this with Justin Pennick, you know, safety gets talked about you and I don't think that that's the time to do it, but certainly a Draxton Hill falls. Petrie has been talked about. Like I would be against it, not from a prospect standpoint, but just from a plugging another hole on this roster. I think linebackers reasonable. I think edge rusher would be phenomenal.
1: Yeah. Edge rusher. So I have a bikini in my short, list as well i have you know christian harris ebikidi and i know we talked you know the sexy pick we talk about wide receiver being a little early at 36 yeah. you know i love me some sky Moore though and if sky Moore is available and they really want you know and they are going to move on from darius slayton i think he would be an awesome guy to bring in we don't you know he typically plays in the slot he is he is a guy that could take the top off of any defense i would be super excited if if they go offensive side of the ball Don't be shocked if Sky Moore is a guy that goes or if he's even there at 36 with the way his trajectory has been going.
0: Yeah, for sure. And by the way, I'll I'll throw in, I'll throw in Brisker just if we're talking about safeties. If you're gonna tell me I have to take a safety, I'm going with a guy like Brisker at 36. I really like the way he profiles, just to be clear. Even Draxton Hillick, I like the, I get why people like them. I'm just always thinking about, well, how does it balance our defense, right? How does it add a counterpoint? to what Xavier McKinney is going to be doing back there. Just a name to keep in mind. Didn't say I wanted it. Just saying I know where the quality players are if we have to go that route. When we move down to 67, and this is where a trade back could offer you a pick at 50 or something in that range too to continue to bolster. This is where, for me, when you talk about the offensive line side of the ball, there's a couple of different options they can go. We're going to mention a few positions, but we've mentioned Parham before. I think Cole Strange, maybe a little bit too early for him here. Might be able to get him at 81. But if you if you've gone edge rusher at 36 and Parham is there, guard center, now you start to say, hey, there's a real I think there's a real value there getting another offensive lineman here so that you know once we move on from this 81, 112 and into the back end, we've already gotten another piece here that can come in, develop, and most likely be a day one starter for you. Like that's a nice box to check to me.
1: Yeah, P- Parham's funny because you know we follow a lot of other podcasts for other teams, and it just seems like in the third round, pretty much every single team is like, Parham sounds good." Like he's he's oh, a yeah. and he's that the kind list. of guy, so he's on the list for everyone because he is that good. Good of a player, I actually think coincidentally he's probably going to be gone by the time the Giants select in that in that spot because. Yeah, Cole Strange,
0: I would take Cole Strange here. Like he's you know early '80s as far as a prospect grade, but everyone really is very strongly viewed. 67 again, your picks are where your picks are. If you want to go offensive line here, I'm happy to take Cole Strange.
1: I, I have Cole Strange in my player target at 81. So you and yep. I are exactly on the same page there. And listen, hey, what what does it cost to move up? Uh, you know, 10 picks from 81 like, to 71? Does it cost a, a fifth rounder this year and a sixth rounder next year? Like what what does it cost if you like the guy and you want to move up to be able to get him, then then there's no problems there. Couldn't agree more on, on Cole Strange. I have I do have him in that little little bubble in that 67 81 area as well
0: yeah and then the last one for me that i'll mention here because as we flesh this out here I'm, oh i'm going to clarify you know here's five seven 36 67 and 81 when we finish this out um and it's obviously it's obviously pierce out of cincinnati the wide receiver you mentioned it there if you're moving on from darius slayton when you look at the roster well what don't you have now you don't have a guy that's just a speed Stretch the field on the outside. Alec Pierce, more talented than that, can do more than just that. We understand we're hoping for a bounce back year here um, from a lot of receivers, not just Sterling Shepard. We're obviously looking at Kenny Galladay and saying, like, hey man, be this guy that can really be a big body. He's a great route runner, but he's he's not blowing the top off of anybody. Like we we get that, right? So adding a weapon like this combined with the suggestion that I'll make here a little bit later. I think sets you up for this moment where you say, Hey, somebody wants to give me a six rounder and we can clear that money off the books for Darius Slayton. Boom. Pull the trigger on Alec Pierce. Know that you have a big bodied wide receiver on the outside. So no matter what happens a year from now with Kenny Galladay or with a guy like Darius, Tony, right? Like safeguard yourself around a position that we know has had a lot of upheaval and could have more coming down the line. I I love him. He may be gone at this point too, but if he falls to this spot, I think you'd be very happy. He's actually sliding a little bit in some draft boards, so could be reasonable to get him here.
1: Yeah, that's that's surprising to me that he's sliding because uh, he's another name that's very popular with teams yep. in those middle rounds. Saying, "Hey, do we want a, a guy that could be a starter from day one?" Let's look at Alec Pierce. So, couldn't agree with you more, a- Adam. We we talked about sixty-seven. W- moving on to to eighty-one, just a little bit. We talked about Cole Strange being in the range yep. for both of them. I think we both have him circled. I have I have two guys that I've talked quite a bit about. And I just want to be able to make sure that these names are out there as, you know, if they're there at 81, these are two names that I am all about. One is Pierre Strong Jr., the running back out of South Dakota State. I tell you, every time I watch film on him, he's awesome. He's so talented. I love it.
0: Just trade Saquon Barkley, man. I love it. I love it at 81. Just trade Saquon. And I and I love the selection.
1: It, it gives us flexibility to set things up for the future taking him regardless of what happens with, with Saquon Barkley. I understand yeah. your piece of it, but either way, I think you've got to you know, add to the depth of this roster. He is one guy. The guy that I don't know if you're going to necessarily agree with me on is the tight end Kate Odden out of the university of Washington at 81 is right around the range. I think that he's probably going to get selected. He's an unbelievable pass blocking tight end. He's Mr. Reliable. He catches every ball around him. He's, he doesn't have this burner speed, but he's an, he's an elite route runner great pass blocker he's the type of guy that you could put at the end of the line that would actually help andrew thomas or help the right tackle of our future in, in different pass blocking situations i sure. you know we, we don't really have a starting tight end on our roster we have you know uh, jordan aiken we just signed um ricky seals jones we've got a couple of guys that are that to me are just guys on the roster kate Oden could come in and contribute immediately as a mid-round pick for the giants
0: uh yeah, I, I don't I, I like him as a prospect. Again, because you went out and you added another wide receiver, you outlined the type of offensive system that gets run here. You're not going to see a lot of tight ends on the field or doing inline blocking. I don't mind taking him. I probably say, Hey, one twelve. This is the this is the thing of what do we have currently on the roster. I can say, Boy, if this guy falls to one twelve, I'm really excited to go grab him there. And I'm probably patient enough at that point. And you know, just to, could because to contrast it to what you said at thirty-six around a linebacker like Harris. This is where a guy that I think everyone is starting to talk about more and more had him in the, what ended up being only mock 3.0. I only got three (laughs) mock drafts in Andy. It's a real disappointment. Uh, Montana State, linebacker Anderson. When you look at his draft profile, this is a guy that can do a lot of good things for you. His projected rate now is around 78, 79. So I think he's a guy that drops right in there. Um, He's essentially, and I said this yesterday, Swiss Army knife. He can do a lot of different things throughout the defense, and that feels complimentary to Wink Martindale's system. Depending on if if I've taken Parham at 67 or ended up being wide receiver, do I like Cole Strange? Certainly. But overall, I feel pretty good about saying we can look in the later rounds or we know we have veterans here. Getting at least, if you check the box of offensive tackle at the top, then I I can push the pause button there. There's real value, I think, in a player like Anderson here. And his measurables are 6'3", 242. And again, they say that he's so athletic and talented There's even functionality for him on the offensive side of the ball. Like when I hear a player like that and you're talking about at 81, it just goes, boy, that means, Tay Crowder, you need a breath, got it. Blake Martinez, got it. Maybe he steps out to the outside. He can cover tight ends, right? The functionality of that is kind of getting like a player and a half, right, bang for your buck at a spot like this. So I would really like him for the Giants here. Um, And then, you know, just to because we won't go into 112, we know a guy like Kate Otten could certainly be there. There's a guy like Ed Bikiti that I talked about. Sorry. Uh, oh, I got I to get his name correct here. The edge rusher who is profiling as a defensive lineman as well. I've mentioned him previously. Um, One twelve might not be too soon to take a player like that. Um, you and I now, if we just balance about a balance about our boards here, we agree. Hey, let's and let's just let's say Neil, so it feels good, right? Because that's the guy. we Sure. Want. Yeah. We get, that sounds great. We, we get Neil. We get Gardner. Boom. We're in lockstep five and seven. When we come up at thirty six. You're going to lean to linebacker. I'm going to try to get that uh, Ebikidi out of Penn State. Give me the edge rusher so I know that box is checked. When we follow it up at 67, where do you go?
1: Uh, there's a couple of different places I, I would go. I mean, moving up for Cole Strange could be one of the moves there if we want. Cole wanted. Strange,
0: yeah, let, let's do that. that's, a, that's a good balance. So you do the nice job of getting an extra offensive lineman, right? Maybe moving up the board a little bit there. I like getting Pierce if he's available for us there. My fallback. Probably is Parham or Cole Strange, if it works out that way. And then I go linebacker, you maybe are excited enough to take Kate Odden at 81. But outside of, so there's a world where you end up getting two offensive linemen to my one in the top 100 five picks that the Giants have, and I end up grabbing a wide receiver, would be the wrinkle that I throw in there. And let's just touch on um, because this has been interesting. The name that I've talked about so much is obviously Dontario Drummond out of old miss. We say about, I said, you know, Pierce could be a great replacement for Darius Slayton. And when you look at Drummond, he profiles as a guy that you say, everything that you love about Sterling Shepard, minus the speed, he's a route runner. You can use him in different spots throughout the system. I think that he's a jack-of-all-trades wide receiver, just tremendous value. He's gone from being in the mid-200s to being an undrafted priority free agent to now being in the top 200, 194, and rising. He's a guy that I circle and say, hey, 147? I add him in, and if you think about this in totality, I've now replaced Darius Slayton on the outside with a speedster in size in Pierce, and then I've added the heir apparent for Sterling Shepard in Dontario Drummond. But you have a name that you like there, maybe at 147 as well. Yeah,
1: so this is a guy that that I think is going to be gone closer to 112, even though his okay. projection is saying, you know, fifth round right now. These and are that- great,
0: though, to have guys, you know, f- catch a falling star, right? If, if Right. If I mean, it know- falls to you. You, you, get, you get really excited about
1: it. Well, you look all the, at all the measurables. You're like, how can this guy be there in the fifth? Like, he's clearly going to go before that. You know, you liked Amon Ron St. Brown last year. He went uh. faster than we thought. I was a big Josh Palmer fan. He was projected in the sixth round. I think he went in the second, late second round to yep. the Chargers. Like, these guys just move up quickly because there's certain skills or certain things they do that you just can't teach. And, and the one guy that comes to my mind is Taquan Thornton, the wide receiver mm-hmm. out of Baylor. And you may say, well, why why would he be there? You know, in fifth, why, why would we consider him in the fifth round? He's 6'2", 181. It's almost like for like the same size as Darius Slayton. The only difference is Darius Slayton ran a 4.39. I believe Taekwon Thornton ran a 4.28. He is like the fastest, one of the fastest guys in the draft. And if you're looking to move on from Darius Slayton, you can save the cap space, maybe get a pick, and you can replace him with a younger, faster Taller wide receiver and one Thornton towards the end end of the draft. And to me, that would be a perfect leg for leg move on from Darius Slayton. Replacement more cash, more assets.
0: Do you think, man, any any world where you would go, say 112? You said like maybe as high as one twelve, right? If we if we we've both had these targets that we think are on the ascension, um, I don't take Pierce at 67. I go with Cole Strange, maybe, or I go with Parham, right? So we get that second offensive lineman. Would you be comfortable going 112 and 147? Thornton drummond and saying like, Hey, here's our two weapons. Like, can you, can you feel comfortable double dipping into that position or whoever we think we like? Is it, you know, yeah, one, one, one's good Two, maybe too many, but you know, it's like, remember we, we talk about Sterling Shepard as a fait accompli that he's walking out there week one, like he's not going to be out there week one for the giants. And and we don't know what happens long-term with Kenny Galladay. Like you, I, I can paint a picture, especially if you're not taking tight ends in this draft class and you're waiting for undrafted free agents. Give me weapons, right? I mean, it helps Daniel Jones in the short term. It helps the future quarterback in the long term.
1: Yeah, Adam. Two things that you just said there, and, and this this is a good one to point out. One is we've already addressed some of the key areas earlier in the draft where we have starters from day one. We're not just throwing darts at a dartboard, hoping that the offensive line's better. We've we've gone Cole Strange. We've gone Evan Neal. We've gotten you know Ebikini in 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 your. Um, you know, 36 scenario right there. We've, uh, you know, addressed Sauce Gardner, so we got the cornerback that we need. We've already done the things that we need to do. The wide receiver position for the Giants is going to be super interesting for, you know, during this draft. And the reason why is, if you look at what Joe Shane and Dable had to work with, they could not move off of Kenny Galladay's contract. They lose money if Kadarius Toney um, ended up getting traded in this offseason on a cap hit. They saved more money by keeping Sterling Shepard than outright releasing him. So it doesn't really say much that he's on this roster and he's recovering from a terrible injury. And you hear that Darius Slayton is trying to be actively traded because he's in the last year of his deal and they want to save money. So when you think about that, it's like Joe Shane and Dable are like, we're stuck with this. Like, this is our, this is our room. There isn't much flexibility to put their imprint until later in the draft. And I think those two guys could very well be the guys, because you talk about Sterling Shepard not being ready for, for day one, potentially. You're talking about Darius Slayton not being on the roster come Sunday. You may have two glaring holes that you have to fill, depending on where Kadarius Tony's going to be lined up, you know, in the backfield or in the slot or whatever. So to me, Adam, I think you're spot on. They could double dip towards the end, and why not? That's the type of move that you made to get Darius Slayton in the first place, drafting him later, in, I believe, in the sixth round.
0: Yeah. And then you talk about for you and me in the set 170s and 180s. That's where the safeties come into play. I'll just say the name Tyson Anderson. I like to, I want to go with Mr. Anderson two times in this draft, if possible. And just as a footnote, to your point, linebacker, Blake Martinez, same thing. He's on this roster because he took the pay cut. Didn't say a lot about whether or not they love him going forward, but they kept him on this roster. They saved money. So Harris at the top of the second round, there are holes to fill there and certainly value you can get. So listen, you now have 50. 50- 15 to 20 guys that we've given you here throughout this draft class. The first key step is what happens at the top, because the big pivot is going to be if no sauce Gardner at seven or at five, then all of a sudden the shift around the top of the second round and then thereafter. We've mentioned names before. You've seen them on the mock drafts, but that'll be the pivot that we walk through later tonight. We're going to come in ahead of the draft. We'll rehash some additional players. We'll talk about the back end potentially and try to maybe maybe crystallize a little deeper. But now we're kind of talking about what we want here. Let's see if we agree on where the Giants are going to go firmly, especially at 36, 67, and 81. You like, you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, Andy was over representing OGP in Twitter spaces. You can hear him there. You can follow us there. And as I said, we do the live draft later tonight. You get in. You follow us over on Twitter, you DM us, and we may try to get some people up here, especially ahead of the pick starting to come in and hear what you think the Giants should be doing at the top of this draft. And what is, of course, the pivotal first NFL draft for Joe Shane at the helm for the New York football Giants. And don't forget, friends, they're also meeting to discuss Daniel Jones right now as we speak. So maybe we'll have some information about that later on this evening. Oh, buddy, I am going to need a lot of naps, and then it's not even lunchtime yet, food. Adam. And we're Dude, all I have even I've <laughs> only just begun. I've only just begun to get myself excited about later tonight. Um. Oh, and by the way, just sorry, man. We'll get out the door here. I'm gonna have pessimistic Mike. He's stopping over later today. We're gonna be running a live on YouTube. He has apparently some absurd scenarios that he wants to run, so we'll have some fun with that too. It's a big draft day jam packed for OGP. And as Andy Makowicz wants, needs, and of course, on draft day, demands the people know.
1: As always, let's go Big Blue.